Welcome to an all right. Welcome to another episode of a documentary podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm Catherine. Mmm, and coffee is delicious. <laughs> I've got coffee as well, but I didn't make mine, so. Oh no! <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. Where did you get it? I went to Thump as usual. Oh, I love Thump. Yeah, so right good. down the block. Yeah. Yeah. If you're ever in Denver, go go see th- go to Thump. And get some coffee. Yeah, great espresso. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, have you been since the last episode? Um, I've been pretty good. Actually, just started working on a new documentary, so that's been pretty exciting. That's exciting. As cinematographer, yeah. or? um, co-producing and as cinematographer. So that's exciting. Yeah. Are you allowed to say what the premise is? I th- I think so. I'll just say it's it's about sort of the inequality of bail bonds. Oh, that's a really, yeah, it's insane, actually. When you really sit down and think Mm -hmm. about bail, it's another one of those things. It's just so obviously about, like, if you're poor, you're stuck in jail. If you're rich, then you can get immediately out. No big deal. It's interesting because at the same time someone approached me about the project, there's a lot of legislation in Colorado going through right now about trying to eliminate bonds for petty crime so it's cool because it's starting to align with what we're setting out to do so oh wow yeah. that's what you need when you're making a documentary exactly <laughs> yeah yeah it's perfect timing so you cool. have to get on it yeah nice yeah i've just been uh just making random stuff and getting ready to go down and shoot my doc so cool which will be really exciting yeah um so today's very exciting because this is a episode about two things that we both really love and that a lot of people love, and it's true crime. Yep. It's having a moment right now, or at least the last couple of years. Yeah, it really has. Um, and it's something that I definitely have gotten into. A lot of true crime, especially kind of with Errol Morris, uh, starting with like the Thin Blue Line where that film actually helped get somebody out of prison because of how poorly the cops like handled that case. And that seems to be like a lot of what's popular these days. Yes. It's yeah. It seems like films are taking the approach of, are they guilty or not? Even if a conviction has already gone through even and a sentencing as well. And I think that's why people have really kind of latched on to all these like true crime docuseries is because it's like, you can be involved. You look at the making of a murderer and, well, Serial's a podcast, now a doc, but how these people are being retried because of the public's sort of outcry after watching. Absolutely. And it's incredibly interesting to me and, like, it really kind of shows the power of film. And I kind of want to get into that, like, later Mm -hmm. when we start talking about um, one of the things that we both picked. Uh, So... Before we get into that, let's get into things that we can suggest that people can watch now and or what we've been watching lately. Yeah. Do you want to start off? Okay. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I just watched the HBO documentary, uh, The Inventor. Oh, yeah. And I think... 
it could definitely be considered a true crime because it's not like it doesn't have to deal with like murder or killing or anything. Uh, it's about fraud and it's incredibly interesting. It's about this like woman. She started this company when she was like 19 and had all these big people like Henry Kissinger and like uh, Bill Clinton, like calling her like, you know, the next like Steve Jobs. And like she was obsessed with Steve Jobs and she started this like medical company and you just have to watch it because the story behind this company is insane. And it's from Alex Gibney who did uh, uh, Scientology, the prison of Wait, Going Clear, The Prison of uh, Belief, I think is what it's called. Anyway, Going Clear, the Scientology documentary. Uh, He does Dirty Money on Netflix. He has a long history of doing these political documentaries just about all kinds of different subjects and, like, calling out corruption and stuff. So he also did Steve Jobs' Man in the Machine, which was kind of exciting that he went from that doing Steve Jobs to this woman who was like super obsessed with Steve Jobs, but yeah, kind of missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what about you? Um, so I recently went and saw Birds of Passage because that was in theaters at the Mayan here. As much as it's not a documentary, it's one of those, it's, it's almost like a documentary in the way that it's very anthropological. Um, the director, Christina... Uh, Galego also or did um oh what was it called something serpent do you know what? the black and white film that came out a couple oh, years ago yeah, yeah 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 what was that called oh here, I don't look me... it up. <laughs> yeah you look it up um yeah you talk about ter- the film and then I'll yeah I'm it. terrible with names but that was an incredible film and this one is sort of about how the drug trade got started in Colombia in the 60s um but it's cool it follows this family through the 60s up through the 80s um oh embrace the ser- serpent embrace of the serpent also a great film recommend seeing if you like documentaries because it kind of plays as one um and if you don't like oh, documentaries then why are you listening to our podcast exactly <laughs> um but yeah so the film follows this um aboriginal family in Colombia and how just by a matter of a couple of events this drug how the drug trade starts to take off um, and just the havoc it wreaks on the community. Um, and it's it's really very beautifully shot, a great way to sort of learn about the culture and the communities there as well. Um, but, it, and it, it does point a lot of fingers at the U.S., but like not in a way that's like, you know, hammer on the nail. It's quite subtle, but I definitely recommend it. Nice. The other one I've been watching, which we're going to get into in the next segment, but I'll just mention here is I just finished this morning the third episode of The Case Against Adnan Syed. Mm. And we'll get into that in the next section uh, where we're going to talk about some of our favorite true crime documentaries. All right, today we're talking about our favorite true crime picks, and I have a lot written down, so in order to keep this short, let's just jump into it. (laughs) Yes, yeah. I tried to keep it to three, and I think we have some crossover, so that's good. That'll probably help us. I did a bad job. I have six 
I have seven <laughs> written down here. We don't have to get uh-uh. really into all of them, yeah. but I have seven that I was like, oh, these are all really good. And for I different know, reasons. So Yeah, because it's similar to documentary. True crime has also evolved to the point where there's so many different types of true crime, like, yeah. like docs. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is kind of like, I have a little bit of everything on my list, which yeah. um, is pretty exciting. But so do we want to start then with the case of uh, or the case against Adnan Sanad? Yeah, so let's talk about Oh Syed. Syed. Not Syed. Syed. <laughs> um so yeah, now we're yeah, so let's talk about that because we've already brought yep. it up a couple times. Uh and this is based on the similar on the same story that the podcast serial covered. Um and it's from Amy Berg who directed two mm-hmm. other wonderful true crime films, uh, yeah. one West of Memphis, which is about the Memphis Five, and then the other one is Deliver Us From Evil, which is a documentary kind of dealing with uh, uh, priests who sexually abuse children, um, which is, they're both great and powerful and very hard to watch films. Um, <laughs> yeah. This one's a bit easier to watch, I'd say. Yeah. So what are your impressions of it? Like, what are your initial thoughts? I, like, really love it, actually. I was not expecting to, because I went in being, like, I think I said this before, quite skeptical, because I've already, um, you know, listened to Serial, loved it when it came out, but I was like, I don't need to watch something I've already sort of heard. Um, and But the how well this, this documentary is produced, I was hooked like instantaneously like the fact that it provides a way more human and personal level than the um that i found the podcast did because they have the journals of um what is the girl's name um they have Heyman lee's journals and they're narrated over these like beautiful animations um with a great score so as much as she's not alive they're able to sort of bring her into the film and her identity and sort of a bit of her opinion, which I think the podcast was lacking a lot of. Um, mm-hmm. And it brings in a lot more players, is c- driven by the sister, who I think is also quite interesting, um, the sister of um, Adnan Syed. Um, yeah, and it's not just a who's guilty, it's sort of a how this affected the high school and the people around um, the two of them. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is that like when it comes to the power of film is just I have listened to Serial, but seeing everyone talk with their faces (laughs) and getting a feel for who they are as human beings is so much more present in the film version. And like it was a real kind of testament to cinema you know, because mm-hmm. obviously we have a podcast too, um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I think it's a great form of like communicating uh, stories and conversations and topics. But <clears throat> putting this story, like the documentary, and maybe in the hands of a different documentarian, it wouldn't have been as good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's incredibly well done and beautiful and feels very personal and and you kind of get a real feel for how much this is affecting everyone's lives yeah um which you didn't really get out of the podcast but you really feel like how much this is kind of like like one of the girls like she's changed her name 
you know, Mm -hmm. she is sick of talking about this and you kind of really get a feel for how negatively this is affecting and stressing out a whole community of people. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it felt like the other one was more about the trial and the murder. This one, yeah, it's about the community and Mm -hmm. sort of what it does to people. And I mean, I've only watched two of the episodes, so maybe that will change a bit, but just, yeah, seeing the faces, I think added such another layer that the podcast couldn't really touch on. Absolutely. And I feel like maybe, I hope this doesn't come off bad, but I feel like Amy Berg, the director of this film, you can feel her compassion a lot more than you could Mm -hmm. through the podcast. Well, that was a huge criticism, actually, of the podcast, was the lack of um, attention to the victim and the lack of Mm -hmm. sort of compassion in a way it it seemed to be a bit oh did he do it did he not like very heightened versus this is an actual murder people were affected by it absolutely fun fact about the animation that you mentioned which was incredibly beautiful it's from the woman who did the animation for diary of a teenage girl as well that makes sense okay yeah which if if you haven't seen that movie not a documentary uh, but very, very good and yeah. very beautiful. Hard to watch film, but very, very well done. Yeah. That was part of the thing they wanted to do is like they had all these diaries and they were like, how do we bring <laughs> Hay to life so we can kind of see what she was like as a person? Yeah. Um, Because she definitely gets lost in all of it and, and, Cause it's terrible, like what these cops did and stuff. And like the whole case Mm -hmm. is very frustrating, but at the same time, whenever cops do things like this and they put the wrong person in jail and they get their mindset on like just getting the case over with, that is so frustrating for the victims. Yeah. Families, especially like to have to relitigate this over and over again because Mm -hmm. of like how terribly this case was run. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's like there's no winners on either side. And it's, I think the film does a really, or the documentary does a really good job of showing that, that like everyone's being devastated right now. Yeah, there's a really powerful moment with Adnan's mom, I think in episode Mm -hmm. three. Maybe it's in episode three. I think it's in episode three. Might be in two. Uh, But you'll get there. People will get there. But there's a really powerful moment, like when she's talking about hay. And it's pretty intense. Um, but yeah, so I definitely think that I'm interested to see what the last episode Mm -hmm. is like, uh, what the conclusion is. Cause sometimes these series are a little bit frustrating because they don't really have a conclusion. (laughs) Yes. That's what I was about. That was one of my comments about just in general, I had written down was that most of these do not end. And I think that's why they hook you is because you have to form your own conclusion on what happens. Yeah. But and sometimes it's nice if they wrap up. So, yeah. Which brings me to one of my picks, which yeah. is the HBO series, The Jinx. I have not seen that. That was on my list of ones oh. to watch for now. I know. Yeah. But talk no, you're about good. it. You're I'd good. love to hear about it. You have to see The Jinx. It is a tight five or six episodes i'm forgetting at the, off the top of my head and the journey you go on in this true crime doc is 
incredibly interesting, A, because the filmmaker behind the documentary made a fictional film version earlier on, uh, starring Kirsten Dunst and Ryan Gosling, um, called All Good All Good Things. I think it's called All Good Things. Yeah. So All Good Things. The director is Andrew Jarecki. And, like, I really... I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen this, and if you haven't, I don't want to give anything away. Maybe you've heard the story, maybe, but um, this is definitely one where you're left without any questions, and that was kind of a... Like, it, it was horrible, like a horrible story, and... Uh, but as a film, it was just so powerful and impactful, and the journalism behind it was amazing. Um, so I definitely suggest anyone see that. Um, it's on HBO. All the episodes should be up there. And then another thing I wanted to say about the Adnan Sayad film mm-hmm. is... Uh... Actually, never mind. I don't have anything okay. else to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you got next? I think so the we, next one, we might have um, another overlap. <laughs> do we have, so I'm going to go actually with the next one is the casting of John Bonet. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've seen that. It's not on that my actually, list, but I have seen it. And it's not full. It's described actually as a hybrid. Um, mm-hmm. but it's cool. It has local ties to here. One, because the murder happened in Boulder. And so they filmed here as well. Um, and it was directed by Kitty Green in 2017. What's interesting is she's actually directing the new Weinstein documentary called The Assistant, which I'm really curious to see what that's like, um, just because she has a very unique style. But this one's a very meta take on the murder of John Bonet. Um, so she explores the death of her by, through the angle of the impact it left culturally and societally, so, or socially. Um, so they are telling people they're casting for a John Bonet film, but in actuality, they're using all the footage of the interviews and the role-playing these people are doing. So they um, they go and they film the casting process for this fake film they're never going to make. Um, and so they interview people who are interested in the different roles of the players of this murder, so both the parents, um, the brother, and the cops as well. And just watching how these people sort of interact in their obsession with pop culture and celebrity and how they can tie themselves to the murder and their own conspiracy theories says a lot about, I think, us as humans. Um, and it's a very interesting take on a crime or a murder that like, I haven't seen done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it was funny because that was so controversial for a lot of people that mm-hmm. how they went about making the film. True, that is very true. Yeah, as far as like... Also, just, like, expectations versus, like, what the film became, which Mm -hmm. for me was, like, it was nice to see something different that really, like, dove into this story from a perspective of, like, what people heard through the media. Like, we've already heard the story Mm -hmm. numerous times. Like, so hearing about what these people heard about is kind of what the film is. And... And seeing the scenes where they act out. The watermelon scene, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a really interesting film, and I thought that it was done really beautifully. And um, 
it's definitely like maybe not your typical true crime mm-hmm. um but i do like the blending of kind of narrative kind of filmmaking with like documentary there's because mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of another film that um is now playing on canopy called kate plays christine um mm. Uh, which is like this actress she's like studying for a movie about this so it's a documentary about this actress who's studying for a movie about this journalist who killed herself on air oh yeah that yeah and uh the movie that they were going to make was never actually a movie they were going to make but it was about how to like this actress researching a movie so it was a documentary but it was like based on this kind of same premise of like making a film that is never going to be made, you know, Mm -hmm. am I making sense people out there? I don't know. (laughs) I'm getting caught up because they're so meta, but, uh, definitely like it kind of had that similar tone tone. Yeah. Yeah. And premise. I mean, the premise is kind of similar. Just the fact that they're like, you know, this one was about an actor who was already cast in the role of for the movie that wasn't going to happen, and she mm-hmm. knew, and she knew the movie wasn't going to happen. She knew she was making a documentary, so it's, yeah. But they're exploring the story through like mm-hmm. through manipulation almost. I yeah. feel like Tom Bonet. You could. I'm always curious with that one if it did cross the line because I think that's always a huge question in documentaries being honest with your subjects um, and not just using them as characters or sort of pawns in your overall story. Um, Because this one, from what I heard through other people, was that everyone who did the interview or casting process had no clue it was going to be a documentary. And a lot of these people come across looking like they're obsessed with the murder or how can I tie myself to this pop culture phenomenon and like want to be a part of it yeah. and they don't come across very well um but when you sign a waiver you sign a waiver so yeah i don't know like i heard someone who worked on the film speak and they were like they didn't feel like they crossed the line but then i've heard from people who knew people involved that they felt that that wasn't the case so it's yeah it's story, yeah yeah, it's an interesting thing, and there's mm-hmm. actually a really good book on the subject that uh, I mentioned in our first episode, and I think I let you borrow the book, which I yes, just remembered, yeah. <laughs> called yeah. Speaking Truth with Film, mm-hmm. and it really kind of goes into a lot of, like, this history of documentaries that it's about that line and, like, where it is, because uh, they talk about, like, there were some movies, uh, who was it? Was it Bergman? Or, no, Louise Bunuel. Mm, so he made yeah. this, like, documentary that was, like, documentary footage, but he was, like, narrating it in, like, a really mean and judgmental way, like, calling these people, like, lo- you know what I mean? Just, like, yeah. being really nasty. And, but that was what the film was about. It was about how documentarians or, like, narrators and stuff can manipulate yeah. an audience. So he's, it's kind of, but it's kind of, like, where does... Yeah, it's really strange. And you kind of have to border that line, too. And so it's... I don't think anyone can ever really fully say if you cross the line or not. Yeah. Because it's it's so tricky. And it's really subjective. Like, if it makes you uncomfortable and you feel like people are being 
manipulated in a negative way, then you're going to have a bad reaction to the film, and that's yeah. your prerogative. But then someone else could view it and not think that way. So it's yeah, it's all about your like the experience you're bringing to it, or yeah. Yeah. So definitely, anyone out there, go read this book by Bill Nichols, Speaking Truth with Film. It really dives into this subject matter, and it's mm. really interesting. Uh, so my next film has another tie-in with this Jean Benet one because it takes place in Colorado. And it's also a Netflix film, um, but it's called Voyeur. I have not seen that one either, so. Yeah, so definitely go Another watch it. Another one for it. the list. Yeah, so basically it takes place in, like, uh, this writer, Gay Talese, uh He came to Denver to write about this hotel or this motel that was over on East mm-hmm. Colfax. And this guy basically built all of this like infrastructure within his motel to be able to spy on people. And he spied on people for years, like watched them like sleeping, eating, having sex, whatever. And it's super creepy. And the detail that it goes into and like this guy's justification for doing it, they actually get to follow the guy around as well as the writer who wrote the article that inspired this film. It's a New Yorker piece, right? Yeah, so... I I, read the article. Yeah, I didn't know there was a documentary about it. Yeah, it kind of came in under the radar. It's just like one of those Netflix things where it just got dumped and like... Mm. And then I didn't even know it was coming out. I just randomly passed it up and I was like, Voyeur, documentary, what's that? And then I read it and I was like, oh, this is that Gay Talese story. Um, So definitely go read the story in New York Times and... The hotel has since... I've actually went and passed by the area where the hotel used to be. And, like, it's been torn down since. uh, But it's kind of interesting because it's just such a specific type of story. And some Mm -hmm. of the stuff that this guy claims to have seen... I don't know. It's, It's wild. You kind of wonder, too, like, the narrator of the story. You kind of wonder if this guy... How much was maybe just like him being delusional or lying or yeah. how much of it was actually truthful. Um, which just makes the film really interesting. Cool. I definitely have to check that out. I, yeah, I had no clue there was a documentary on it. Yeah. It's really well One done. One of the other too, things lost in the Netflix jumble. I know it happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a chance to watch the Ted Bundy tapes? I have not because everyone says they're terrible. Really? I don't know. I need to... I, Yeah, I shouldn't always take other people's opinions like to heart, but a lot of people were like, eh, it wasn't that great. And since I bought so many other things I need to watch, it's gotten bumped to the bottom. Right. What did you think of them? I thought it was engrossing. I mean, it's four episodes, okay. and I watched them pretty much back to back. Yeah. Um, My wife said that that it wasn't like that much new information Mm. but for me just kind of the the breadth of like how much his voice is in it and how much footage they had and stuff and how much focus they had on a lot of the victims like kind of really put it in perspective on just how monstrous this guy was Mm. and not that not that we didn't already know that but (laughs) yeah but it definitely like gave a little perspective, kind of similar to the listening to serial and then watching mm-hmm. the Adnan Sayad thing. Like I thought it well, just yeah. it kind of like 
because there's so much Ted Bundy stuff, but it's all really poorly made. I thought that this was actually really well done. Okay, that's good to know. Because, yeah, I find I actually don't know that much about Ted Bundy because, yeah, a lot of the stuff, it's like your typical documentary that just gets a bit boring. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I will, pump, like, watch this one soon then. Definitely. It's worth giving it a try. Oh. Yeah. So what's your next pick? So my next one is probably the classic, and I think what sort of kicked off all the sort of crime docs um, is The Thin Blue Line by Errol Morris. If you haven't, I think everyone's probably heard of it um, or even at least seen it by this point. Um, so it came out in 1988. It almost feels like a narrative film um, with how many reenactments it uses. And so it tells the story of Randall Adams, um, a man sentenced to death for a murder he didn't commit. And it just follows this night between him and David Harris and these other, and the cops and how this police officer gets murdered and we don't know who actually, or do they tell you who does it at the beginning? Let's, I should start that over. Because we know from the beginning that he's, because I haven't seen it for like a year. I don't think that they tell you from the beginning because I right. remember being kind of surprised by the conclusion. Yes, yeah. But anyway, it weaves this web between interviews, reenactments, um, and then some audio voiceover to create this, yeah, this web of like who did it, who didn't, and how people can be so easily wrongly convicted as well. Yeah, I think um, the interesting thing about this film too is just really kind of putting in perspective how how in depth Errol Morris <laughs> gets with his research. <laughs> yes. Because like as far as like these kind of films that we're talking about, like the what the Adnan Sayad thing is trying to do, what Making a Murderer was trying to do, what um, the Keepers, uh, just all these films, the the just all these films just kind of about these wrongful convictions, the staircase, the, I mean, there's just so many now. Um, this was kind of like the first one and it was impactful. Like it got a guy out of prison. Yeah. He was on death row, right? Yes. He was on death row. Yeah, yeah. He was on death row and this film got him out of prison cause it made such a compelling case. And you're right, the details of this film are incredible. And it's not just, like, stating the details, it's, like, visually the details. Um, yeah. I just remember, like, visually I can still remember this film, even though it's been a year. It's, like, like the lights flashing or, like, the fog coming through mm -hmm. or the road. Um, he, I don't yeah, really remember what most of the documentary footage looks like, but a lot of the... It's so mixed, you don't know. And that's interesting as well. Yeah. Errol Morris and his reenactments, I think... Everybody, before they start doing reenactments, should go watch his films and just see how mm -hmm. to do it right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he does it right. Because he doesn't try to recreate the scene. He tries to recreate moments or, like, the tone of a place. Mm -hmm. so he, it's, it ends up being, like, a lot of close-ups. And, you know, he loves playing with crazy angles and interesting lighting. And that's what he does. So you don't you feel like you're seeing a piece of it and not the whole thing. And then you create the scene yourself with mm -hmm. the pieces. And it makes it seem more truthful than, like, someone... I'm this person, I'm this person, and, like, reenacting the whole thing. Yeah, which I will say the Adnan Sayad movie actually does have some, like, reenacted scenes, but you could barely tell that they were there. Yeah, that's Especially true. with, like, Jay talking to the cops. Uh -huh. 
And so I think oh, I, yeah. I think Amy Berg kind of took a page out of the thin blue line and like did some good reenactment stuff because mm-hmm. it blends right in with the film. It does, uh, yeah. Whereas like I didn't even notice that, yeah. So Errol Morris I think has a least a less successful film series on Netflix right now where he uses mm-hmm. reenactments, but they're like full on acted with like actors and oh. like, and it really bogs down, I think, the interviews and stuff, and it really bogs the story down because you're just like, it's hard to believe if that makes sense. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't make it a stronger case for the film. It like makes you believe less, which I think is clearly not what you want to be doing. No, and especially from someone like him. Oh, is that the new thing that came out that like Wormwood. kind of yeah got a bit of controversy? Yeah, it's called Wormwood. Yeah. But yeah, not my favorite Errol Morris film. I had and a hard, hard time finishing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. usually his films are super easy to watch. But I'd say, like, if you're just getting into sort of, like, the true crime docuseries, this is, or even just documentaries in general, mm-hmm. hopefully you've seen a few more before. But I think this is, like, a really good one to start with because it's... Absolutely. It's kind of one yeah. of those seminal films that I think everyone has mm-hmm. to see because you kind of yeah. see where, like, what inspired things like Forensic Files or... Mm-hmm. But, like, it did it way better. And it was a lot more ethical because I think that it really like kind of questioned the whole system of like kind of how much power sometimes these like small Mm -hmm. town cops have to put people away on flimsy charges. And I think that that is a conversation that needs to be had, especially in a country that has more people incarcerated than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And uh, we got to, like, question whether that's good or not and why that is. And part of it, I think, is a lot of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's the other stuff, like implicit bias. And, you know, we can yeah. get in all that, the drug war. But this one yeah. specifically, I think, is, like, a really interesting case of that kind of what set the tone for true crime films in the future and mm-hmm. kind of like revolutionized like reenactments and using like narrative filmmaking tactics in, in documentary. Cool. So do you have another one to talk about? I do. Okay. So I've kind of been powering through mine. <laughs> yeah. So I have two more. Okay. So one of them, I'm going to give a quick mention because maybe you haven't seen it. Uh, it's called Sour Grapes. Not seen that one either. I Gosh, I have a lot of films I need to watch this I week I know. <laughs> so Sour Grapes is like, uh, it's this guy who basically like committed this huge amount of fraud selling like fake wines. So like he would buy cheap wines, relabel them, do all this stuff to trick these like wine buyers. And he would sell them as like these fancy like $10,000 bottles or whatnot. And just like the rarest wines in the world. And just the story behind it is incredibly fascinating. This person that was doing this, super fascinating story. It's kind of one of those entertaining movies where you're not walking away like feeling like everything is terrible and the world is falling apart. You're just like, wow, this guy really was very intelligent. Used it in the wrong way, but it was really entertaining. Kind of like a thriller, I would say. And then the last one I have, which maybe if you've seen it, we can talk more about, is uh, it's a series, uh, OJ Made in America. I've started it. Yeah, so I just thought that as far as, like, 
cinema putting things in like later on coming back revisiting a thing that was like you saw through the media lens like as far as it being such a part of like hype and giving you a fuller picture like i haven't seen anything do that Mm. in a case that i thought i knew stuff about like this thing really like opened it wide for me just like the whole perspective like because i was at an age where like i didn't really know oj as the football player or the celebrity i knew oj as the guy who probably murdered his wife that's it Mm -hmm. and then later on didn't fit yeah yeah i knew the i knew the hype stuff because i was that age when that all happened so going back and revisiting it and getting a fuller picture of like his football career his whole journey up until that moment learning more about his wife and the people around him and how gruesome this murder was and not just like oh oj murdered his wife Mm -hmm. it was like a horrible gruesome act that shouldn't really be joked about and we shouldn't forget how gruesome it was Um, yeah and i think once again it's like news outlets can kind of brush over the victims and sensationalize these events um and that's what I love so much about like these docu series is like they have the time and the sort of the tools to really dive into these issues and you start to realize like the story I was told actually isn't the full story. Yeah. And I think that that can be like a good theme with like mm-hmm. something from like a podcast or a TV show or something like that like being transferred over into something that gets more in depth. Yeah. And like really treating it like film and like treating humans like they're human, you know, it can be really powerful to put things in perspective. And it's nice that it seems like everyone is willing to sort of consume this content too. Yeah. That it's that we're starting to like seek that and look for that, not just the quick story, but like Mm -hmm. I have friends who, yeah, no background in film, no background in documentary, but like love watching these things. And it's cool to know that we're getting a bigger picture than just what the news outlets want to flash really quickly. Absolutely. And then I think like elevated things like OJ made in America, the thin blue line, uh, like things that are just really good films, like actually get seen, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Is there any other, like, do you have any like ones that almost made your list that you want to like shout Um, out real quick? Because I kind of included mine in my talking point. I don't know. Those are my. There's a. There's just so many. Um, yeah. I love like the classic too is like making of a murderer, which I think kickstarted the Netflix thing. Yeah. But with that one, I think uh, it fed too much into its hype a bit. I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it presented a fully accurate story. Like they were not objective at all. Um, mm-hmm. But. I think that's still a really good one to watch if you need something super bingeable. Yeah. You can binge season one. I had a hard time with season two. I didn't even do season two. (laughs) (laughs) After I read read, read all the news articles about season one, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch season two. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, Making a Murderer. When that came out, it was another one of those phenomenons. Yeah. And uh, Amanda Knox. Like, what is with that? Oh, that one's really good, too. Yeah, I just watched that. Yeah. Um, another one of those ones where you're just so frustrated. 
Or there's also Evil Genius. I really like oh, that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Oh, because that puts a... Because there was that uh, Jesse Eisenberg movie. Uh-huh. 30 Minutes or Less that was like... Like, uh loosely based on that story and made it into this like big joke because it was about mm. oh this pizza delivery guy gets you know a bomb strapped to him and then yeah. so whenever I actually watched the documentary I was kind of like really upset that They're they like, treated that story so yeah so ca like casually because it was kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. alright that does it for another episode of a documentary podcast uh, thanks for listening yeah absolutely make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. And you can check out our Instagram at a documentary podcast. You can go to our website, a documentarypodcast.com. And then also our own Instagrams. Uh, mine's at CMS Moments. And I'm at Joshua Lebure. And the music is by Timothy DeCans. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, see you in a few weeks.